Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 92, Why We Don't Do Grief Work. All right, (laughs) you know the drill. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book. The book has launched. It is available through Cedar Fort Publishing, which is the, which is my publisher. It's also available on Amazon. And if you don't already know, the name of the book is Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. I did a podcast interview with the publisher, which just launched. It uh, just launched a couple days before you hear this episode. And then I also did a video for them, a live a Facebook live, and that is on build a life after loss. You can look at my, the, uh, it's not an interview, uh, but it's, it's like, I just kind of tell this story and tell a little bit about the book and kind of my, my thoughts on it. So that's on the Facebook page. I hope that you'll go, if you haven't already go to Facebook and join build a life after loss. That is a place where we put up uplifting. Again, it's all about uplifting support. I have found that the support that's out there sometimes, instead of helping us, it in a lot of ways, a lot of the support that's out there, kind of in the general, uh, like on Facebook and Instagram and so forth, is just more of a, more of a, helping us stay stuck. Unfortunately, I mean, that's just the way I I see it. It's, it's a lot of, this is really hard and you're going to grieve the rest of your life. And I just, I will say it before I said it before and I'll say it over and over again. I don't believe it needs to be that way. I do believe that no matter what our pain is, that we have a process that we have a way of healing from the pain it doesn't mean that everything goes back to exactly the way it was before. In fact, just the opposite. And in fact, I don't think we want it to go back to just the way it was before. We should grow and develop. We should learn from our experiences. And I I feel like that's exactly what we do. I feel like that's exactly what I did. That's a lot about what I talk about in the book. A lot of what I wrote about was different experiences that I had. You know, the, the book is mainly about the, the accident and, and my two kids, Carrie and David, who died in that accident, but also reflecting back on losses that I had before that helped me, the, the experiences that I had before that helped me kind of formed my thoughts about grief. And then of course, I, I learned so much more about grief and healing when my kids died and after my kids died. And that's a lot of what I talk about. I I had a friend call me today and she said that a friend of hers called and said, is Julie going through a divorce? So just want to clear things up. A a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll talk about how losing my kids was really difficult and how I'd gone through a couple of grief experiences before, including a divorce and losing my brother to suicide. But the divorce I talked about was from my first husband many years ago. And Ron and I 
are happily married. You don't have to worry. <laughs> We're happily married. We've been married for 26 years. He is the father of Carrie and David. I had three children from my previous marriage that last, my first marriage lasted about nine years and we had, we had three children. And, uh, and after our divorce, then a few months later, actually it was really quick. <laughs> I'll have to tell you the story. My, my current husband and I, we actually knew each other, um, while we were, both married before we, we knew who each other were. And then I divorced and he had moved away and he moved back to where I lived in Florida after his divorce and after my divorce. And we started dating just shortly after I was divorced, which was kind of crazy. Cause if you've ever been through a divorce, if you're listening to this, because you're trying to figure out like, how do I how do I rebuild after a divorce? If you, if you've ever been through a divorce, you know how difficult that is and how painful that is. You know, we started dating and he started asking me to marry him within weeks of dating. It was just, I, I wish I had put it on the calendar so I could remember, but it felt like it was like two weeks later. I'm sure it wasn't, but it was quick. And by the end of that summer, we were engaged and we got married shortly after because they had three kids in elementary school and they were starting school. And we, we kept moving up our, our wedding date because it was just seemed like it was going to, and it did. It just, it felt like that was the right thing to do for our family to give the kids some stability. And so that's what we did. We got married um, right before school started, right at about that same time. And, and then we had James a year after we got married a little over a year after we got married and then Carrie two years later and then David two years after that. And it was Carrie and David. Carrie was 10 and David was eight who died in the accident. And you heard a little bit about that in the last episode. If you listened to my last episode, I read the first chapter of the book, but we formed a family of two parents and six kids. My uh, former husband had left the country and he just was not involved in, in our family at all. And so the kids called Ron dad and we just moved forward from there, but it was really quick, but we've been married for a long time. And I, I just wanted to clear up any confusion because sometimes people do think that I'm divorced or they don't really understand, you know, which if there's kids from a first marriage or second marriage or what it is. So hopefully that clears it up a little bit. I, uh, you know, just to, just to be clear, Stephanie and Kristen and Dallin were from my first marriage. They were very young when Ron and I got married and we formed one big happy family, <laughs> like the Brady Bunch. And we had three more kids and, and then we lost Carrie and David, but they're still a part of our family. Sometimes I don't love the word lost. I know people know what that means when I say it. I really don't love any of the words for losing someone we love. I don't, I don't love, you know, death and they died and so forth really has, can be triggering for people, uh, but it, it shouldn't be like, we just, we need to call it what it is, but losing them is also feels accurate because we, we lost them as part of our day-to-day -day life right now, right here and right now. My personal feeling is I didn't lose them permanently. They're still part of my family. I still feel like they're part of my family. I still have had occasions where I have felt them. 
around me and with me in different places and different circumstances and in the work that I do. I feel that they're very much a part of this. So I haven't actually lost them, except that they are not here right now. They they can't come physically visit my home. And, and so it is very different. We have to figure out what wording that we can appreciate in our own journey. And those are just some of my thoughts about it. As you know, I do a workshop and my workshop that was scheduled for the beginning of the month, it got postponed. And so it's actually happening. If you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, the 20, let's see, what date is that going to be? That's going to be the 24th, the 24th, oh, sorry, the 23rd. It's July 23rd, which is a Thursday night. We're having a workshop. You can register for that at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, backslash B-L-A-L in July, J-U-L-Y. And that's with a capital J. Everything else is lowercase. So if you want to come to that workshop, if you want to hear more about the things that you can do, the ways that you can start to help yourself to understand your grief, understand your grief so that then you can work on your grief. And and that's what I want to talk about right now. Let's talk about why we don't work on our grief. Why we don't. Why, Why don't we work on our grief? And I think there's three main reasons. There's probably some other reasons and you feel free to message me and say, Hey, I I have some other thoughts about this, but these are the three main reasons I think that we don't work on our grief. And the first one is it's too painful. We think that it's too painful. The loss was painful enough. Our experience was so painful that the idea of working on it, of getting involved with it, of looking at it, of thinking about it, of, of, dissecting it, of, of just interacting with it in any way just feels too painful, feels too painful. And this may be exactly why you listen to the podcast, but you're like, you know, I don't think I want to do the workshop or I don't think that I want to go to a class or I want grief coaching. I don't want to go to a support group because you think it's just too painful. But let me just share with you my thoughts on this. It's already painful. It's already painful. You're experiencing the pain of your losses right now. With or without working on it, you are experiencing pain. The pain has come. The difficulty has come. The situation arrived. The divorce, the death, the loss of the career, the loss of health, whatever it is that you're dealing with, the pain of that experience is already a part of your day. Being able to look at it, being able to get involved with it, being able to do something with it, it doesn't make it more painful. It allows you, well, let me go back. I guess in some ways, what, what happens too, too, too often, and I think it's one of the reasons that we have, we have alcohol abuse, we have drug abuse, we have sexual abuse. I mean, we have all kinds of different things that, that 
we do in our society to numb ourselves so we don't have to feel. So we ha- have this painful experience and then we get, we can get trapped into addictive behaviors or other things that numb us, that help us to not feel so that we don't have to feel the pain. And I get it. Like I totally get it. It is painful. It is hard. And I took part in, in, activities too. I watched too much TV. I I sat around, I slept too long. Like these are just normal behaviors of people that are dealing with pain. It's normal, but it doesn't mean that it's helpful. There's a difference between recognizing that, yeah, a lot of people will, will numb out with a lot of TV, a lot of fantasy, uh, a lot of fantasy novels or Netflix or whatever, whatever that particular medium is for you, but it will numb out with food. Some people will numb out with alcohol. I was, I'm grateful that I was never a drinker. I never participated in drugs of any kind. And so that wasn't that, that didn't pull me in, but I, I understand why so many people are pulled into that. And when I see those, when I see reports of people that are dealing with alcohol abuse or drug abuse, my heart goes out to him because I know that what they're doing is just numbing a painful experience. But instead of numbing the painful experience, there's a process that you can go through that allows you to look at the pain and start the resolving process so that you can heal the wound. You can heal it over and over again. Over and over again, I compare physical pain with emotional pain. So if you break a leg or you, or you have a cut, you, you do something with it to keep it from getting infected, to keep it from continuing to get worse. You set the broken leg or you, or you put the salves and the, and the bandage over the, the cut or the scrape to protect it, to help it that this is all about putting that solve of that, that salve, however you say it, I guess it's different from the East to the West, but putting that ointment, let's use the word ointment, not as confusing, putting that ointment on the wound, the ointment of the wound of grief is doing the work. It's looking at it. It's understanding the pieces that actually hurt Sometimes it just feels like it's this big thing. It's this big, heavy, heavy weight that you're carrying. But when you look at it, it's, it's pieces. It's not just the one big thing. It's the pieces. It's the pieces of the relationship, either the pieces of the relationship that you loved and you miss or the pieces of the relationship that were painful and you were never able to resolve because that person is not in your life anymore. And we falsely assume that because they aren't in our life anymore, that there's no way to resolve it, but there is. The second reason that I think that we don't work on our grief is that we don't think there's anything we can do. We hear the the common phrases that we hear are, time heals all wounds. Well, if time is healing our wound, then what is it that we need to do? Nothing. 
If time is going to heal us, then all we need to do is sit back and wait for time to heal us. But anybody that has been in pain for any amount of time, anybody that's experienced a loss that sat around and waited, waited, and waited for the relief to come, knows that it doesn't come that way. We think there's nothing we can do, but there is. There are things that we can do. Just like I was talking about a minute ago about how, you know, we look at it as one big event, but it's actually a lot of little things. Like I said, it's the, it's the little things that we miss, that we need a way of expressing that we miss it. Even though that person may not be around that we can, you know, if you've gone through a divorce, it's you, there's things that you miss about that person. You may still love that person. You may still romantically love that person. And there's things that you miss about them. And then there's things that were extremely painful, but you you no longer have that person in your day-to-day life. So you don't have that avenue of expression. You can't say to that person, Hey, this really hurt me. And I really miss this. That line of communication has been closed by the divorce. In most cases, in most cases, that line of communication. And in all cases, that line of communication that is a, a communication of understanding definitely is no longer there because, because before when you were in a married relationship, you were both working towards the marriage. In most cases, you're, you're both committed to the marriage, but when you're both not committed to the marriage or one or the other isn't, then you've, then we lose the line of communication. We lose that avenue to communicate the things that we love and the things that we don't love. If we've lost someone to death, the same thing. We no longer have them. We no longer can wait for them to come home at six o'clock at night and say, Hey, you know, I just wanted to tell you when you said this, it really hurt my feelings. But when you said this, man, that made me feel good. That, that just made me so happy. We've lost that line of expression in all relationships. In all relationships, there is a, a breakdown in communication. In, in no relationship, I don't know, I'm sure there are some relationships like this, but in all relationships, there's always more communication that could be done. You, you go through your day and at the end of the day, you want to express, you know, what you loved about the day or what you didn't love about the day. And if that person isn't there, you can't express it. So it gets left unsaid. But there are things that you can do. There are ways that are effective for you to express yourself and to start to resolve the pain of grief. Even when the person that you want to be expressing that to, whether it's positive or negative, even if that person is no longer available to express it to, there is still effective ways that you can express what you want to express. And number three, and this is very similar to number two, but there's a little nuance here, is that we don't think there's anything that will help. That's number three. One of the reasons we don't take action on 
joining a support group or seeking therapy or seeking coaching or going to a class. One of the reasons that we don't take action is because we don't believe it will help. It's natural for us to have a, have doubts as human beings. We all have that little voice in our head that says, no matter what you do, it won't be good enough. Or no matter what you do, it's not going to help. Or no matter what you do, it's, it's that little voice that tries to keep us where we are. It's that little voice from our subconscious that wants us to stay stagnant because it feels safer. It's safer for us to be stagnant. If we don't do something, nothing will help. If we don't take some action, it won't help. We will stay stagnant. You will stay in that place of not feeling good enough, not feeling like you can move forward, not feeling like anything will work. When I was homeschooling, we used to have this funny little phrase that everybody, it seemed like everybody that, that homeschooled, they would use like three different reading curriculums. And finally, by the time they got to the third one, they would say, this one works. <laughs> but it wasn't, but the saying was that it wasn't the, it wasn't because of the curriculum. It was because the person had grown by using those three curriculums. And so by the time they got to the third one, they felt more confident. They felt they had more understanding. They knew what they were doing a little more. And so, yeah, it worked. And I think it's kind of similar here. Like we have to start taking steps. We have to start trying things. We, you might, you might go back to work and find that it's super painful and that maybe you want to change where you're working because it's, it's too, it reminds you too much of, of what you've lost. Or maybe you, you step out into a social situation, which we all know there's not a lot of social situations going on right now with COVID, but you know, you step into a situation where you're, you're trying to re-engage and it just doesn't feel comfortable. But I think it's similar to the homeschool curriculum that I was talking about. It, it's each one of those little steps, even though individually it may not have felt like a roaring success, each one of those steps you take moves you further along. It moves you further along. We, we have to come to grips. We have to understand our emotions. We have to come to grips with our emotions. We have to be able to feel our emotions, good and bad. We've got to, we have to open ourselves up to the emotions of the experience. And then we can start to resolve what's happened. Then we can start to look at it and, and decide what we want to keep what we don't want to keep, what understanding we want to build, what new wisdom do you have because of your experience? All these little pieces work together to help. It all, the grief work is work. It requires your effort. It requires your engagement. It requires that you do something. 
And I know that doesn't feel comfortable. I totally get that. And I think in the early, early, early stages of grief, you know, the thing to do is to just be and to feel. And little by little, you start to take those small steps that help you to re-engage. Again, I want to reiterate those three main reasons we don't do the grief work is one is we think it's going to be too painful or two, we don't think there's anything we can do or three, we don't think there's anything that can help us or that will help us. And I just want to say, I understand those reasons, but I also understand that we need to put those excuses away we need to, to start taking responsibility for the next steps in our life. We need to start recognizing that there's things that we can do and that when we get involved with our grief healing, we will heal. We will find a way. Healing is possible. Healing is available. No matter where you are on your journey, healing is available. No matter how painful it's been, no matter how difficult, no matter how heart-wrenching your experience is, healing is available. And that doesn't mean that the work that you do won't take a while. It doesn't mean that, oh, I've decided, it's just like getting a college degree. You know, it's, it's not like we walk in the door of the college and we say, hey, I want a college degree. And they said, okay, here it is. It's not the way it works. We put in the work, we put in the effort, we learn, we grow. And then at the end, when we've taken the steps that are necessary to get the degree, we get the degree. And this isn't too much different. We, we engage ourselves. We say, I want to heal. I want to feel better. What do I need to do? What is going to help me to feel better? What is going to help me forward in my healing process? And you take that step and you take the next step and you take the next one and the next one and the next one until you feel that healing that is available to you. You'll feel it all along the way. It's an up and down journey, just like college, just like college. If you've ever been to college and you, you, you start the semester, you know, kind of all excited, a little nervous and you jump in and you go, Oh, this isn't too bad. Like this assignment wasn't too hard or you get an A here and you, or you get a B there and everything seems to be going along fine. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Something happens. You get sick or the professor doesn't like you or you misunderstood an assignment and you didn't turn it in correctly. One of these days I have to tell you about an experience I had like that, but something happens. It's up and down, up and down. And that's exactly the way grief work is. It's up and down, but we move forward. We don't quit college the minute it gets hard. We don't go into the second month of a semester and get a bad grade and just walk away, we figure it out. We figure out like how, 
How do I turn this around? How do I turn this ship around? How, how can I learn from this experience of failing this test or, or failing that assignment or not understanding the assignment? How can I learn from that and move forward? And that's the same thing we do with anything that we want to be successful at. And it's the same thing that we do with grief work. We learn and grow and learn and grow and build. There is healing available. There's healing available to you. I promise you that. If you want some help with your grief and with your moving forward and your journey, schedule your free discovery call. It's right there in the show notes. You can click the link, find a time. Let's talk. It's totally free. You don't have to pay anything. I want to hear about what's happened, how you feel about it and, and where you want to go next. And we can talk about programs and, and how that would work for you. And you can make decision, but without the information, it's hard to make a decision. If this episode has been helpful to you, if you enjoyed this episode, will you please subscribe, rate, and review? Have a beautiful week. And always, always remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.